When did God create the heavens and the earth? Now then, let me tell you what's happening with distributing the Bibles. It's going very well. We're sending out boxes and boxes of Bibles. And I had one independent group from uh, West Virginia contact me. Never heard of them. Don't know anything about them. All used to being worldwide and suffered through everything. But they didn't want to get involved with anyone because of all the corruption that was going on. And so it had been all these years They've been following us, and we didn't know it. Using our material, we didn't know it. So I finally got a letter from the elder, and I called him on the phone and told him about, because he wanted to know about the Bibles. So they've got, they've got 12 to 20, depending on how transportation is that are there. So we sent them three boxes of calfskin Bibles. See, now this is the best thing we can do, especially when you consider they're all paid for. Huh? So thank you for doing your part. You can have as many Bibles as you need. Remember, calfskin, eight in a box. Vinyl, six in a box. The Greek interlinear, four in a box. Now, for those of you who have access to taking Bibles to prisoners, we have the paperback Bible, and there are eight in a carton. And sending them out in cartons is the best way to go. Because we can just bring in a carton, put on the return address, put on the mailing address, stamp it with media class mail, and take it down to the post office. And we've been sending out an awful lot, and we have an awful lot left. So remember, the best thing we can give anyone is the Word of God. And if they're really interested, and they really want to know, God will begin dealing with them. That's what we want. Because God has his seven spirits going throughout the earth all the time, looking for those who are seeking God and to help draw them. So if they have the Bible, the word of God, and they go to the things and read in there the things that they understand, then God will lead them with his spirit to understand the things that they don't. Now, in addition to that, we have more printed material available. One of the best ones you can give to those who have been in the church for quite a while is God's plan for mankind, revealed by his Sabbath and holy days, because that is the framework on which Everything is based. Now think of this. In a creation week, on day four, God set the calendar in motion 
of the sun and the moon and so forth for the appointed times and seasons. So that's, you can read that and that sounds innocent enough. You can read that Leviticus 23 and it, too many people dismisses it as just ritual. Yet it contains all the holy days of God. And all of those holy days are the structure in which we understand the unfolding of prophecy. Now, my January letter will be a detailed letter going through the prophecies at the end time. And so we want to get as much of this out as we can through distributing the Bibles. And then I also had a man from Church of God International call me and order a box of Bibles. And he was there in, in Texas, right where their headquarters is. And I said, well, you think they'll receive them? said, oh, yes. Many of them already have it. Okay. So you see, now look at it this way. This is what the tithes and offerings are for. Everything to spread the word of God as much as possible. And if we do our part here in Hollister, you do your part out there, and then different ones do their part, you see how it will work. So today, my message is, how old is the earth, and when did God create it? And along with that comes, how about the creation of God concerning everything? Now, let's first of all come to Psalm 25. Psalm 25 and verse 14. Because if we stay close to God, like Norbert said, grow in grace and knowledge and understand God's way and God's word, then we understand things that the world cannot know. And one of the things they don't know is, how old is the earth? Well, they can measure certain things and determine that it's more than 6,000 years old. So organizations like the Foundation, the Bible Foundation, they preach that God didn't do anything until the beginning of Genesis 1 but they don't understand Genesis 1.1. Now let's see a key in how we understand the Bible. Verse 14, Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Now fear is the first step in love. Because fear means you are afraid to sin. 
because God has said, you shall not do this, you shall not do that, you shall do the other, whatever it is, see. And then that grows into loving God. But notice, secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. And what we're going to cover today is the secret of creation. Because it's more than just Genesis 1. But it's not all revealed in Genesis 1. It's revealed in other places. Then it says here, and he will show him his covenant. And that's just what Norbert talked about, the covenant of eternal life. And we know this. Now, he covered one of the scriptures that I wanted to cover, which is Second Timothy 1, verses 9 through 11. But also in Titus, the first and second verse, it is that God promised eternal life before the ages of time. Now, how does God measure time in the universe? Don't know. How vast is the universe? Now, I've mentioned many times, go to the James Webb Telescope website, and you look at those pictures. You look at those fantastic array of stars and galaxies. And they claim they are 13 billion light years away. Now, when you consider that light travels 186,000 miles per second, how vast is eternity? How far is that out there? All right. We have another thing about God in Isaiah 57 and verse 15. It says that he inhabits eternity. He is eternal. Okay? So, we need to have all of this in consideration when we come to understanding about the creation of God. And one man wrote me, and this is why I'm giving the, the message, that he wanted to explain to his grandson about the creation of God. Because his grandson is going to school, and what are they here? Evolution. And that we just are all one big accident. Now then, before we get into that, let me just tell you about something that they had to put online in demonstration about how the DNA and RNA works in our system. Now, that's quite a thing. It is quite a thing. Remember, I mentioned to you that everything God does is in a vortex or 
a whirlwind. Okay? Everything. Now then, when the genes and chromosomes unite from father and mother, they come together like this. Okay? And they operate. Remember how they show chromosomes? In a helix. They operate and join together. And at that point, God gives the spirit of man to that new conception. And you are what you will become at that instant. Because God said to Jeremiah, before you were formed, I knew you. Which means, when he was conceived, God understood this is the one I'm going to use as a prophet. Okay? Now, the genes and chromosomes lock together. And that's how we're created. And everything is listed, as it says there. Let's go to Psalm 139, because this becomes very important, and you can bring this out to your grandson so that he can understand. Okay? Now, you read the whole psalm. Let's think of it this way. In Jeremiah 23, God says, I'm not a God far off, but I'm a God near, but I fill heaven and earth. Now, how does God fill heaven and earth? Some philosophers look at that and say, well, God is just a mysterious thing out there spread everywhere. No, he fills it with his creation. And everything is done by God. Okay? The whole thing here in Psalm 139 is quite a thing. See? Now think about this for a minute. And this is something we all need to understand. No one can get away from God. You can deny him. You can say he doesn't exist. But then, how do you live? And what makes everything in your body work and function together, because there are trillions of cells within your body that are working and are working according to the laws that God has made. And so the vanity of human nature is there's no God. Well, Psalm 139 answers that. And this is important for all young teenagers, young youth, older youth, and all of us gray heads at the end. We need to know this, see? Because there is nothing, nothing that you can do that is not connected with something that God has made. Everything here in this room 
Men have rearranged what God has made to make tables, to make chairs, to make carpets, to make lights, to make, and use the electronics so what we have here can go out. Okay? Now think about how closely God can be with you if you're with him. Okay? So let's just begin in verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. And what does he say about the thoughts of man? They're vanity. The thoughts of man without God always end exactly as Norbert said, in death. Okay? You measure my going out, my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything about how we work. Everything how our mind works. Okay? And that's an amazing thing. And you think of this like our book. Why were you born? From a speck of dust to a son of God. Huh. Everything that you are when you are born came from something that you could not see with the naked eye. For there is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. You have enclosed me behind and in front and laid your hand upon me. That's something. In other words, no one anywhere can do anything without God, whether they know God or not. What works when you decide to raise your hand or stand up or sit down or walk or run or think? Okay. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or, where shall I flee from your presence? If I go into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in a grave, behold, you are there. And can even raise the dead. That's why the account of Lazarus was the last straw that the religious leaders could take from Jesus. Because they knew he was dead. Because he was in the grave for four days. And even Mary or Martha said to him, when he's going to have the tomb open, said, Lord, by now he stinks. Okay. So roll the stone back and he said, Lazarus, come here. Bang. Came back to life, started walking out and taking off all the wrappings around him. And I don't know what he thought when he got out, out of, of the tomb and saw all these people out there. And he's probably wondering, well, how did I get here? What is this? <laughs> and then they had to tell him, Lazarus, you died. But God raised you up, Okay. So he says, verse 9, 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the farthest parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me and the light around me shall be night, even the darkness does not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, as is the darkness, so is the light to you. For you have possessed my reins, you have knit me together in my mother's womb. That's exactly, precisely how human life comes. And all other life, all other life, think about it. If you hold a grain of whatever kind of grain you have in your hand, that grain remains ready to grow with the right circumstances. You put it in the ground, has to be good ground, and you water it, and it grows, and it grows in a spiral. How does it know what to do? Huh? And it reproduces itself, what? Many fold over. Great lesson for us. That's what God wants with us. Okay. I will praise you for I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Your works are marvelous and my soul knows it very well. Okay. My substance was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and intricately formed in the lowest part of the earth. Now think about that. God gave to human life, all over the life, the key of reproducing itself. To tell us that God is going to reproduce himself. That we will be his son and his daughters. Okay? Verse 16, your eyes did see my substance yet being unformed, and in your book all my members were written. Boom! On something we can't see, everything about reproducing a human being is there. So the first thing we need to understand is that God created us. Okay? were written, which in continuance were fashioned when there was yet none of them. Then he says this, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Could you add them all together? Amazing thing. If I should count them, they're more than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Okay? All right. What does all of this have to do with creation? Well, we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll go over. How was it that God created the earth, and how old is it really? 
take a break. Now let's continue on with the study. When did God create the heavens and the earth? Let's understand something about God. Let's first of all come to Psalm 90 and verse 2. The reason we need to understand about the nature of God is this. Because as the Bible foundation says, God didn't start creating anything until Genesis 1.1. Yet, it is evident by true facts from God's creation that some things were created millions of years ago. So here's Psalm 90 in verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Okay? Everlasting to everlasting. God's level of existence is eternal and lives forever. Here, Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Here we go. Okay. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it? Inhabits eternity. So when God creates something, it can go back in time that we don't even know. Some of the scientists there at James Webb Telescope website, and what you might do if you're going to teach children about it, you download the website onto your computer and show them these vast stars and show them everything that is there and let him know that God spoke and they were created. Okay? So the question becomes, when did God create the heavens and the earth? All right, let's come to Genesis 1 and give yourself a marker to come back to it. Okay? So we've learned this about from God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. We have also learned from 2 Timothy 1 and Titus 1 that God was doing things before the ages of time. So that agrees with that. Okay? So here in Genesis 1, Let's read the first verse. In the beginning, God. Now in the Hebrew, that's a full stop. God. He was there before anything else. Okay? Now we'll come back to it. 
But let's come to first, not first John, the gospel of John chapter one. Okay. And we will see the same thing. We will see something else that's important to understand. And also that you can emphasize to anyone that you're going over this with concerning creation of anything that there is. This tells us very precisely. All right. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So the very first verse right here tells us that in the Godhead, there are two. Which also tells us that the doctrine of the Trinity by the philosophies of men cannot be true. And you need our new book, Holy Spirit, the power of God, a scriptural perspective. Okay. Now notice something else. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. Now circle all. That means each and everything came into being through him. Now notice the next phrase. And this is what all, everyone needs to understand, regardless of your age. Evolution is a fantasy of men, a lie of Satan the devil. There has not been one, one missing link discovered that shows there was a transition in different forms coming up the scale of the evolutionary walk as they have it. Not one missing link. And yet they say it's millions of years and millions of years. Well, that's all the fantasy in their minds. Okay? Now notice this. All things came into being through him, and not one thing that was created came into being without him. What does this tell you? There's no such thing as spontaneous life. Maybe to our visual appearance, it may appear that way, but that's not so. Okay? Now let's go to one more, Hebrews, the first chapter, because this tells you something very important. Okay? The universe and everything that there is has to be maintained. Right? It has to be kept working. Correct? All right. Who does that? How is that done? Okay? Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 1. Let's read it again. See how this t- these three tie together. God, who spoke to the fathers at different times in the past and in many ways by the prophets, has spoken 
to us in these last days by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the ages, the ages of time. And we are living in that age of time that God has chosen for man. Notice this, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the exact image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his own power, by the word of Christ. Now think about the power that God has. And think about what God is doing with us in his plan. By his own power. And he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay? So there we have God. Let's come back to Genesis 1, okay? Genesis 1. So the first thing we have is, number one, God. Okay? Number two, let's read it. In the beginning, God, full stop, created the heavens, full stop. That's number two. See? Now, the mistake that the creation foundation makes is this. They never account for when God created the angels. Because he did. Nor do they account for when Lucifer rebelled. Okay? And we're going to look at some scriptures which tells us, just put it in your notes. You don't have to, we won't turn there. Ezekiel 28 talks about the covering cherub was perfect in his ways until iniquity was found in him. In other words, he chose to sin. Okay? And we find in Revelation 12 that when that rebellion of Isaiah 14 took place, he took a third of the angels with him in the rebellion. Okay. When did that happen? Did it happen before the earth was created? Or after the earth was created? Well, we will see. Let's come to Job 38. Let's look at something very important here, the book of Job. Now, what are we doing as we're doing this? We're doing exactly as the Bible tells us. There's a little here, there's a little there. And like Paul instructed Timothy, you have to straightly cut the word of God. That means to divide it so you can put the pieces together and understand what occurred. 
Okay. So, let's come to Job 38. Here we are. Now, we're going to see something important. We're going to see that the angels were created right after God created the heavens. Before he created the earth. Now, how long a time was that time span? We don't know. Because we don't know how to measure eternity. We don't know how to measure from everlasting to everlasting. Okay? Job 38 and verse 1. Job wanted to talk to God because he thought he was so good. But you see, here's a big lesson from Job. We'll summarize it very quickly. Whenever you do what God says to do, you give God the credit. Job gave himself the credit. And then his vanity caused him to believe that he was as good as God. So he demanded a judge or umpire to referee between Job and God. <laughs> okay. And then even Elihu, the youngest one of the that were with him in his trial, he said, Job, is it right that you say that your righteousness is more than God's? No. So Job said, Oh, I wished I could talk with God. Well, sometimes you need to be careful what you wish for, because <laughs> it may happen. So here, Job 38, verse 1. God answered his request. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, notice whirlwind, again, another spiral. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That's a nice way of saying, Job, you were stupid to say this. <laughs> See? But that's true. And think about all of the men who, and women who say, oh, there's no God. Well, one day God is going to say, what was that you said? Okay. So God said, Now gird up your loins like a man, for I will demand of you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Huh. What is the foundation of the earth? Okay. What's right at the core of the earth? Molten iron, which produces what? Gravity. And it's in motion within, under the surface of the earth. Then God laid everything else on it. Okay. So he says, where were you? Declare it if you have understanding. Who has determined the measurements of it? If you know. What is the earth like? How is it measured? 
Okay, well, today we can measure the mountains. We can go down. We know some places in the ocean, it's seven miles deep. Okay. Or who has spread the line upon it? On what are the foundations fastened to? How did God do it, Job? You tell me, if you want to be like me, you tell me what I did. Couldn't do it. Who laid its cornerstone? Now notice verse 7. Verse 7 is the key that tells us God first created the heavens and then the angels. Okay, number three. And then the earth, number four. Let's read it. Verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Okay. When he what? Laid the foundation of the earth. Now, why were they shouting for joy? Why were they happy about it? Well, because God gave it to them. We find in Isaiah 14 that when the rebellion took place, that they ascended through the cloud to attack the Most High. So they were on the earth. The book of Jude tells us that the angels who kept not their first estate. What was their first estate? The earth. That's why they were singing for joy. Okay. Okay, then it shows this, verse 8. Who shut up the seas with doors when it broke forth as it came from as if it came from the womb. Okay. So then God created water on the earth. Okay. Now then, so we have this. Number one, God. Number two, created the heavens. Number three, created angels. Then number four, he created the earth. Okay. Now let's go back to Genesis 1. And this is what the creation foundation misses completely. Created the heavens, full stop, insert right there, the angels. Okay. And the earth. Now, right after the earth, you put in number five, the rebellion led by Lucifer, taking one-third of the angels. That comes into play right there. Now, we find that in Revelation 12. So, let's go back there and let's read that, Revelation 12. 
because this also tells us about God's plan. This tells us it actually is referring to a time when the angels were on the earth and then Lucifer enticed them to rebel. So they thought they could take over the throne of God. Okay? Revelation 12. Then there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and having the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Now what is this? This is the picture of God's plan. That's what it is. And that's why Lucifer and the angels rebelled. Because when they understood what God's plan was, that human beings would be created, and they would be greater than the angels. Greater than them. Lucifer then said, that I will become like the Most High, Isaiah 14. And when the rebellion took place, they ascended through the clouds to go after God. Okay? And being with child, now, this is talking about Christ. Okay? What does it say? Christ was slain what? from the foundation of the world. Okay? So you see how you must put all these scriptures together in the right order. She cried in travail and was in pain to deliver. And another sign was seen in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head and his tail swept a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Full stop. Then it goes clear forward in time. Okay? To when Christ would be born. All right? So let's come back here to Genesis, the first chapter, and let's see what happened when there was that rebellion. See? Verse 2. Genesis 1, and the earth was, and the word could also mean became. Now remember the angels rejoiced when the foundation of the world was laid, and Jude tells us that that was their first estate. Isaiah 14 tells us they were on the earth. Revelation tells us that, and we have no time span with that. How long were they here? What kind of animals did they have? Well, we have one clue. All the dinosaurs died at once. We don't have them today. So those were probably with the creation that God gave to the angels when he first gave the earth to them as their domain. 
See? Then they rebelled, and that rebellion took place just before verse 2. See? So you have to take that very first verse of Genesis 1 and understand the events that took place. See, because if you don't do what we just did, you're stuck with a problem. Where were the angels and Satan's demons? How do you account for it? It's not here. If God was up in, up in the heavens, habitating eternity forever, everlasting to everlasting, was he doing nothing until 6,000 years ago? Did he just sit there with Christ and do nothing? Okay, of course not. Could there be millions of years involved? Yes, there could be. Because remember that the covering cherub was perfect when it was created until iniquity was found in him and he sinned. How long was that? How long did that take? How long was it in Satan's mind that he was planning to take over the throne of God? We don't know. But we have evidence of millions of years. So how old is the earth? It's got to be far more than 6,000 years old, right? Okay. How then did it become without form and void? The Greek, not the Greek, the Hebrew is tohu and bohu. Chaos and confusion. Well, the Bible tells us what? God is not the author of confusion. He didn't create the earth in chaos and confusion. All the evidence is that it was beautiful too. And all of the correct geological strata, when analyzed, tells you there were two floods. This one here in verse 2. And what was that the result of? That was the result of the rebellion by Lucifer, and the third of the angels. And there was war. And there was fighting. And they were cast back down to the earth, and God covered the earth with water. That's how the earth was flooded the first time. Now, let's go forward to the flood of Noah. 
Why did God flood the world? Okay. Well, let's look at it. Genesis, the sixth chapter. Now, how evil did the angels become? Well, look at all the, the works of the demons that are going on today. The works of Satan that are going on today. Okay. So we can take this and apply it back to the first flood because of the war that Satan and the angels who followed him brought upon themselves. Verse 5. And the Lord saw, Genesis 6 and verse 5, that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay? So God decided to destroy it. That's what the first flood was when the angels rebelled. Destroyed everything. Now what happened? They also know this. And it's a mystery. They can't figure it out. Now just south and east of the Wyoming Yellowstone Calderon. You know what that is? Calderon is a huge round area of mountains with a valley right in it because that huge area was a huge volcanic eruption. So when God, just like today, he's going to shake the heavens and the earth, what did he do with the earth back then? He shook the heavens and the earth. And there were volcanoes which took place before the flood. And in Iowa, there's a hole place they discovered that was buried in volcanic ash of thousands and thousands of dinosaurs, young and old, and still with petrified food in their stomachs. And they're all in a heap and all in a mess. Because of what happened. And that probably happened in the event leading up to the flooding of the first flood on the world because of the rebellion of Satan. And worldwide, all dinosaurs are in the same strata, showing that they all died at the same time, okay? So, God said that he would destroy man. Then we have the flood of Noah. What happened with that? Okay, well, we won't get into it. Now, let's come to Psalm 102. We'll look at some Psalms. There are a lot in the psalm. The psalms are magnificent. You can see why God put them there. 
so that we could connect with God, not only with our minds, but with our hearts. Psalm 102. Okay? Quite a thing. And again, there's a little bit here and a little bit there. Okay? Psalm 102 and verse 25 says, Of old you have laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Again, verifying that God did it. Psalm 119, verse 81. We're taking a precept here, a line here, a line there, and properly putting them together so we understand the secret of the Lord that he put in the Bible, which tells us when he created the earth. He doesn't tell us in terms of years as we understand them, but he tells us of events. Okay? Psalm 119, verse, let's pick it up in verse 81. My soul faints for your salvation. I hope in your word. That's the very thing that gives us sustaining power in days of trouble. My eyes fail for your word, saying, when will you comfort me? Now know this, for every trial and every difficulty you're going to go through, God will eventually comfort you with it. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. Okay. Now, that's interesting, too. Can you think of a verse that this applies to? There's another verse that this applies to. Okay. Your word is settled in heaven. All right. No one's going to change it. Okay. Your faithfulness is to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands. To all generations. That's it. Okay? Now, let's come here to Psalm 24. What is the ultimate outcome of the earth? Well, we read that in... Revelation 21 and 22, which is what? New heavens and a new earth. How is God going to renew the earth? Okay. He did it twice with a flood. And then renewed it. How's he going to renew it for the new heaven and the new earth? Second Peter, the third chapter tells us, that it is going to, the whole earth is going to be spread out from the lake of fire of the wicked thrown into the lake of fire, and it will melt the elements. So everything to do with man in the flesh. Satan removed with the demons to the blackest darkness forever. going to be renewed by melting 
everything that was done by man. And I think about that whenever I watch any of these specials about the tunnels, the things that men have done, and all their evil deeds they have down underground. I tell you, it's something, okay? Psalm 24, all right? Verse 1, the earth is the Lord, the fullness of it, the world and those who dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Isn't that true? There's more water under the surface of the earth than there is in the oceans. Okay. Now, let's get to the one that I need. Okay, let's come to Psalm 37. This is the one that I want to cover. I want us to keep this in mind, okay? Now, we're going to look at some verses, and we're going to find that he mentions this one phrase five times, okay? Verse 9, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth, the new earth, the new heavens. Verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. No more war. No more fighting. Okay? That's two. Come to verse 22, Psalm 37. For those blessed of him, those blessed of God, shall inherit the earth. Notice on the other hand, quite a description of the lake of fire. And those cursed of him shall be cut off. All right. Verse 29. The righteous shall inherit the earth and dwell in it forever. That's quite a thing. Verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the earth. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So what we need to do is this. We'll have a transcript of this message, and it will be available. But remember, number one, it begins with God. Number two, he created the heavens. Number three, he created the angels. Number four, then there was the war. Number five, the first flood. And then number six, interesting number, creation of the world for man, and the number of man is six. Okay? So you tie it all together. This is how you answer those who say, that the Bible doesn't know what it's talking about. 
It does. And there can be millions of years in between these things that we cannot measure. So I hope this helps settle the question. How old is the earth? When was it created? When did he create the angels? When did he create human beings? And now, then we focus on the plan of God, which he has for us.